Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, where we like to explore mental health and your favorite fictional characters. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I am looking forward to processing more of 13 Reasons Why. Even though the material is upsetting, I feel like working through it as we have been is been helpful and hopefully it's helpful to other people too yeah i think it has been uh we've had a few people reach out to us and say that they've sort of enjoyed the things we've said so far or at least appreciated the breakdown and i agree that i can think of more than 13 reasons why i want to continue thinking about 13 reasons why <laughs> i don't know was that a bad one no, I don't know. no, no, no. I, I like it it's, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna get heavy so i'm gonna try to pop a little joke in at the beginning we need those <laughs> uh no you're exactly right uh i think we'll just breathe over the current events because we're on a bit of a time crunch today um not only in how much time we have to record right now but also this is quickly starting to seem like it's going to maybe be a four or five part episode so uh we'll just save the current events for the future and uh maybe just go ahead and dive right in on our uh continuation of 13 reasons why so the first thing i wanted to say before we dive into more of the content is um this uh, what we're going to talk about today is going to take you through about episode 7. So if you're through episode 7, at least you can go ahead and feel comfortable to keep listening. Uh, if you have not heard that far, you might want to hold off. There, uh, Just like before, there are going to be spoilers. And uh, I also want to say that a lot of, or maybe not a lot of what we've seen, but certainly some of what we've seen so far has involved um, some sexual assault, some stalking, and some uh, distributing of images. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a really important. And uh, it, in fact, it's so important that we're going to save that for its sort of own episode. Yes, that's right. We want to talk about important things like consent, sexual assault, um, and all those types of things. But we want to make sure we spend enough time. And in fact, I think it'd be good if we ask people if they have specific questions regarding the series about that so we can make sure to address that in a future episode. So we will be coming back to that. And if you do have any questions, email us, tweet at us, send us a message on Facebook, and and we'll make sure that we we cover those issues because there are just so many Mm -hmm. important things to talk about throughout this series. Yeah, and and a lot of different aspects and components of everything that goes into consent and Mm -hmm. some of these related topics are portrayed in the show Mm -hmm. um to the degree to which there's enough that it really like you suggested deserves its own episode Mm -hmm. so so uh if you were wondering why it seems like we're leaving that out i just wanted to put that out there from the start uh that we will be returning to it um in its own full-length episode so Mm -hmm. uh but for today i think we're going to continue our discussion of talking points that are more related to the depiction of suicide in the show and the related sort of behaviors of the other individuals and the responses and and everything sort of involved in that side of the series. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the first thing that I think is a great jumping off point, and I think the reason, why, or rather the reason why I think it's great is because I think this is something that uh, people... You know, oh, I, I know I please. do this, but sometimes no, I think that, about things later. That's okay. One thing I do want to say, even though we're going to do a full episode on it, is that there are some... To be clear, in 13 Reasons Why, there are clear depictions of times where people are, where there is a sexual assault and where there is not consent. So when we talk about talking about details, we're not talking about controversy, whether those things happen. We just want to make sure that we talk about the specific situations highlighted in it because it's very disturbing Mm -hmm. to see those scene depictions. And so we just want to cover it fully. But it's clear that there are 
multiple examples of people being violated without consent. Absolutely. So I just wanted to clarify that. Oh, no, I appreciate that so much. I, I don't want to give off the wrong message or not be clear because it's uh, it's certainly an important topic and one that deserves to be talked about uh, in a sensitive and prepared and accurate way. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, so to jump in on our continuation of uh, 13 Reasons Why, I think one area that is a good jumping off point because it's something that I think you hear about sometimes is, uh, and you have the names of the characters down so much better than I do. Uh, so It's because of all those notes you, I took because I really, it's a it's an unusual way to watch a show, <laughs> but I really wanted to make sure we, we got the details no, for I, listeners. And I'm, and I'm leaning on you for that because after we recorded, we recorded our first episode and I saw your notes, I just stopped taking it. <laughs> I, I just knew that. Who there, needs there was no way I it's could compete five pages with, of notes. with that thoroughness. And I decided that I was going to um, just get more comfortable and watch on my couch. Whereas with the first episode, I was watching at my computer so I could take notes. But those days are behind me. I need If I'm going to put myself through the the emotional pain of watching the show, I might as well be physically yeah, comfortable. I, I hear you. Okay, so uh, you might have to remind me of exactly who said this. But at so- one point, someone says that... The reason that Hannah died by suicide was that she just wanted attention. Yes, that was Marcus in episode four. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so precise. I love it. Marcus says that Hannah just wanted attention and that what happened to her happens at every school. So one thing I want to point out is that it's likely that some form of bullying happens at every school throughout yeah. time, which is terrible. Which oh, is yeah. terrible. It doesn't. Ex- you're not excusing it. No, yeah, no, no. And one of the things that that bothers me is when uh, a myth about bullying, for example, which in the future we want to actually want to do an episode with um, an expert on yeah. on bullying who does research in the area, a friend of mine. Um, but one of one of the myths that's persistent about bullying is that it's comes down to hurting someone's feelings by things that you say, and that it's nothing more serious. Clearly. In this series, they're accurately depicting how far it can go, right? So she's having people um, send revealing pictures of her around, say things about her, objectifying her, and all kinds, excluding her. So all those types of things are going on. Is it true that it happens in every school? Sadly, some form of bullying does, like we said. And the kernel of truth in what Marcus says, which is mostly false is that most people are resilient in the face of bullying because they, if they have some other kind of social support or a parent or, or a counselor or someone they can lean on, they can kind of keep moving along and those types of things. However, some people are at greater risk for dying by suicide when it comes to bullying. So he's saying it in a dismissive way. It's true that it happens to a lot of people, but what I don't like is the implication that it happens to a lot of people but Hannah just wanted attention it's something about her response versus there being some responsibility among the people who are bullying her and treating her badly and contributing to her feeling so poorly absolutely and this gets into something a a little bit related to to, I think it maybe is two part part of it is the sort of victim blaming component that that's Hannah's fault that she responded that way Mm -hmm. and she should have just gotten over it and moved on because other people are bullied and uh, and they can move on. And another part of it, I think, is maybe an avoidance sort mm-hmm. uh, of blame and responsibility yeah. and accountability mm-hmm. um, that's depicted. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I get a sense that, that there is this sort of attention-seeking misconception that goes around. Um, I, I My sense is that it's more about people who uh, might be... Uh, 
saying things like they're reaching out for help or saying things like that or that should that maybe they don't want to live anymore things like that that should be taken very seriously but uh, i sometimes get written off as you know they're just looking for attention yeah. so i could very much see it um you know tying in like that i i thought that uh, this is one of the times where i think the show maybe i don't know if intentionally but certainly it raises an important um awareness piece that that this sort of stuff is not attention seeking. Yeah, and one of the but this is the part where I struggle is that really the whole device of the series as we talked about uh-huh. a little bit last time is that she finally gets the attention. She finally gets people to listen to her by having killed herself yeah. and basically by blackmailing a lot of yeah. them by the horrible things that they did. So I feel like in a way it does reinforce the idea even though they say that that she is just trying to get the attention of a lot of people. And how has she successfully done that? By killing herself. That is a myth about suicide that is really harmful. And and it stigmatizes people who are feeling suicidal. It's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. That is not, I mean, that is not a typical thing at all to happen. And so that's part of the overarching thing that concerns me in terms of what people are thinking about. Even though they say that. You know, people are listening to her finally. They care a lot about what mm-hmm. she says. Why? Because she has stuff on them. And, Absolutely. you know. So, anyway, that was my concern. No, it's it's a great concern. And, and I, it's good to consider the series as a whole. Because mm-hmm. I, I was sort of considering just that component mm-hmm. there. And giving a little credit for the awareness part. Even though they certainly didn't include that. At, or, I can't know their intentions. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that they included that singular line for the sake of challenging the myth that uh this sort of behavior or that suicidal behavior is related to attention seeking yeah yeah Yeah, you know i think that that's where it's it might be a little bit of a mixed message because there are Mm. parts in there too where you know she's written a note or she's written a poem and they have someone kind of dismiss it as attention seeking and they have that counterpoint saying no it's not just attention seeking she really means it so maybe it has both of those messages in there yeah, I suppose that's sort of what happens when you have uh, you're adapting a book series and multiple writers, or who can know. But mm-hmm. the take-home message I think that we can offer is that it's not attention-seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you provided a perfect segue into a, another talking point, which is when um, Hannah leaves a note for Zach, and uh, she sees him reading the note in the hallway, and what she sees is him crumpling it into a ball and dropping it on the floor, and she confronts him and asks, "Why me?" Uh, and then um, because he's been they have in that communications yes. class they can give anonymous compliments to people and she said that's kind of a lifeline to her she's yeah. feeling so bad those compliments mean a lot and Zach because she rejected him when yep. he asked her out on a date is taking them out so that she doesn't yes. receive any compliments yes. and that's what she writes the, the for, letter in response yes. to thank you for the context yeah absolutely uh, and then what we find out later is that Zach still has the note after right. Clay confronts him and uh, damages his car. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zach's mother and, and Zach go to Clay's house and, and he shows Clay he still has the note. And, mm-hmm. and Clay doesn't read it, if I'm remembering that correctly. He says he couldn't possibly yeah. read it. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's a perfect segue into that. So uh, I'm one thing that may be worth talking about is, first, it sort of goes back a little bit into perceptions of things mm-hmm. and, and how people who are struggling, and maybe this ties into our major depressive episode a little bit, uh, in how 
the way that we interpret things in the world isn't always accurate and sometimes can be negative, uh, which can lead to negative outcomes. Um, secondly, it might be it might be worth talking about if, uh, like Zach, he sort of responded in, I don't know if panic is the right word, but he certainly wasn't sure what to do when he got the note. So it might be worth talking about what, what can you do if you get a note like that where you're worried about someone. Yeah, I, I think that's a great discussion because I think people are anxious and unsure and therefore uh, might not respond. And understandably know? so oh, yeah. because it is an anxiety-provoking situation mm-hmm. and it's not something that is often talked about and it's not something that you... You know, most people get any training in dealing with it. It's, it's unprecedented for a lot of people, and it's it's scary. It is. And, you know, it's interesting that she selects him because she is skeptical of him, you know, being uh, good so much that she kind of assumes he's doesn't have positive intentions when he asks her out. But she has some sense about him that even though he's very popular, she goes into that idea that lonely in a crowd, like there's something mm-hmm. that that she senses about that. And so um, just to kind of be clear about things that you can do so that if you're in this kind of situation, you feel that you're comfortable um, doing something, um, some suggestions from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and we can we can link to these Absolutely. two, are one that you're direct with them and take them seriously. So um, I don't know. Sometimes I get an email or note. I mean, at this point, it's more as a professor. But in high school, I did receive a note from someone who I didn't know super well, who was outwardly popular, but was struggling with some mental health things. And I, at the time, um, I did talk to him in detail about it. But I admit that some of that's probably because my father is a therapist so I had some comfort level with talking about mental health I'm not saying that I knew the right things to do or that I did the same things but I at least talked to him about it I didn't ignore it like kind of how Zach does but but anyway maybe we can give some suggestions to listeners if they're wondering absolutely so one thing is to make sure just to you want to be direct um there is have we, I don't We've done so many of these episodes now. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm forgetting what we've talked about on here and what I've talked about in other avenues. But one myth about suicide that some people, or maybe a lot of people, hold is that if you ask someone about suicide, you might put the idea in their head. Mm -hmm. And there's just no evidence to support that. So when you worry that someone might be at risk or if someone's reaching out to you about having uh, thoughts about suicide... I would suggest, and and others would as well, just to be direct and make sure you're taking them seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just very plain and simply just ask, are you thinking about dying? Or, you know, as simple as that. Exactly. And I feel like because it's taboo to talk about, that's harmful. And this is one of the arguments that some of the people for this show has made, is that it's bringing this conversation to the forefront. And maybe that's true. And in this case, I felt like Zach was taking her seriously, but she had no way of knowing that because he didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, so I agree. Being direct about it, um, being non judgmental, I think that it's uncomfortable to hear when someone is talking about wanting to die by suicide or wanting to kill themselves. Absolutely. It's really uncomfortable. And the temptation for a lot of people is to just say, but you have so much to live for, look on the mm-hmm. bright side, and all that kind of stuff. And, and the response to that is often to kind of shut down because you feel like oh this person isn't comfortable or they think something weird about me and so it can be really important to non-judgmentally listen to the person you don't have to jump right in and try to fix the situation but just trying to hear them 
That can mean a lot, because if someone's suicidal, they're usually feeling disconnected from people, so giving them that opportunity to feel like someone cares about them can make a big difference. Absolutely. Another thing to do is just to be available to them, and, uh, and through that, show interest in, in them and in what they're going through, and be supportive to the best of your ability. Um, you, you know, if you need to make yourself available or, or provide a phone number, or maybe you have phone numbers, and just, uh, you know, let them know that if they need to reach out or if they need to talk, you will be there to talk, and just try to do that. I mean, if you make that promise or if you make that, uh, you know, effort to be available, um, follow through on it and, uh, and just be supportive the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you get to the point where you don't know what to do, uh, reach out to other people if you have a school counselor or other friends you can talk to and ask, you know, I don't know what to do at this point. In Hannah's case, talking to her parents would probably have been a good idea. Yes. Um, you know, you don't have to support people on their own. You can also call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, to ask them for tips about how to help people. I've I've done that before, really um, and, and that can be useful too. Yeah, the hotline is not just for people who are directly themselves experiencing uh, suicidal thoughts, but it's a resource for anyone who needs help. Uh, if you need support, supporting someone, absolutely. Yeah. It's I think that pe- people maybe don't know that about the resource. So. Yeah, and, th- and I think that you know, one of the things that can be difficult if someone is kind of chronically suicidal so they're suicidal and it's going on for a while you've been friends with them for a while and you're not really sure what else to do it can feel hard to keep listening non-judgmentally and do those things and that's understandable and that's where it can help just to talk to other people about how to best support your friend while maintaining your mental health too absolutely um another one that you want to do is just uh and you kind of talked about this Mm -hmm. already but offer some real hope to them and uh it, it i think that the, uh, you know, if people could just feel better or just look at the bright side, they would. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they would just do that. But it's not that easy. So you want to offer real hope and, and keep people thinking about their future and the things that they want to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would just just put that plug in there, too. It's kind mm-hmm. of a continuation of what you already said. But. Yeah, and the truth is that there are treatments available for these things. There are things you can do. It takes time, but that's... Those are things you can tell them that are authentic and that you believe in. It's not just, you know, that everything's going to be fine. Because maybe it's not going to be fine for a while. Um, Finally, you know, a a couple other things. Don't be sworn to secrecy and try to take action if you can. If they have specific methods in mind, like they've stockpiled pills or they have a gun or other things like that, take action as, as much as you can to try to get them to get rid of those means for dying by suicide while they're at high risk. So it's not about taking away their guns and their pills forever or anything like that, but it's just about keeping them safe, and we know that it helps to remove access to those things when someone is at high risk for suicide. Absolutely. So, and and last but not least, uh, urge them to seek help. Um, don't take on the whole burden yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, help, put, help them to seek out help for a professional. Offer to go with them if you have to. Um, but yeah, you don't want to just take on all of that on yourself. And, and there, like, uh, Katie said, there are treatments and there are professionals who are no, are trained to do this. Mm-hmm. So you want to try to help connect them to the best that you can. Exactly. You're their friend, but you're not their therapist. And so it's, it's helpful to do what you can to connect them to the right people. And then those individuals will do more. Absolutely. So uh, that's just sort of, uh, some of the things that you can do. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if you're in a situation like we saw Zach in the show, mm-hmm. where he received that note and Hannah was clearly reaching out and and was having a hard time and he sort of panicked, which is an understandable response. These are just some some quick tips that you could use, or that maybe you could share with someone else who mm-hmm. uh, who might be in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Brandon and I are to break the fourth wall for a moment Please. in a different location, and oh, yeah. there's um, there are people slamming doors occasionally. So I'm hoping if you hear that noise, that's what it I'm is. I'm assuming that it's because it's quite loud. Yeah, yeah this is not our normal recording studio. We're no. we're in the satellite studio today. So yeah, exactly. Off, uh, off site. So exactly. Uh, so thanks for bearing with us with that. So um, something else I would like to jump into, uh, in and I'm throwing one here. Uh, a curveball at you because it's not oh. on the Tommy list that we have, but we did talk about it, so mm-hmm. it's only half curveball. Um, right out of the show, so when we, I'm jumping ahead, actually, I'm going to save that one. This is a, I said we were going up to about episode seven. I take it back. Okay. I'm keeping that, I'm going to keep that one in the old back pocket. Okay. The old 13RW <laughs> back pocket. Okay. Um, so uh, there, I'm going to lean on you again here mm-hmm. because I don't remember the specifics. I think it was. A discussion with the teachers about loneliness, mm-hmm. and they talked about how the the very the the some of the impact that loneliness can have on individuals, and they talked about that in sort of the context of Hannah. I think I mean that makes sense. The show's about her, and uh, but that that really rang true to me, and uh, I thought that was one of the reasons. And, and correct me, reframe me if I'm seeing it wrong, where they actually were bringing up something important. And research backed. We know for a fact that loneliness is a risk factor for a lot of negative mental health outcomes, and it's and physical and health physical outcomes, health outcomes. Right? It's, yeah, it's there is, um, and I think that they're actually even referring not specifically to the citation, but some uh, to a meta analysis that examined data from seventy different studies from around the world, and they found that people who experienced loneliness and social isolation had much greater risk of mortality during the study follow-up period than individuals who reported lower levels of loneliness. And the average follow-up period was seven years. So in very straightforward terms, loneliness seemed to be linked to dying earlier. I mean, that's how essential of a need it is for us to be connected to people. And I thought that was a really strong opening to the show. And it's that's one of the factors, and we talked about this in the Logan yes, episode a bit, that thwarted belongingness from Joyner's interpersonal theory of suicide. Social isolation is one of the most replicated risk factors um, in studies found to be linked to suicide. And so I thought they did a nice job talking about how we as people are meant to connect with others. We need those feelings of belongingness and it's vital to our health. And when those things are not met, it's it's very dangerous. Absolutely. And so I thought that was a strong point. No, I agree completely. And I so, took over while you were talking, so no, hopefully you, don't mind. You've, I you've feel com- so strongly about you've it. You perfectly <laughs> completed my thoughts and maybe even said them more eloquently, so I appreciate it very much. But, uh, yeah, so to give credit where credit is due, I think raising that awareness and talking about mm-hmm. loneliness because I think don't think most people know about the uh, real negative impact that loneliness can have. Most people know it's unpleasant and they don't want to mm-hmm. feel lonely, but it has a robust predictor of negative physical and mental health outcomes to the mm-hmm. degree that I think would surprise several, yeah. you know, most people. The research shows that it's up there with smoking cigarettes in terms yeah. of predicting outcomes. I mean, maybe even a little bit higher. So, Which is just incredible. It is. Yeah. And so it's really important to pay attention to those needs. 
Um, and related, you talked a little bit about th- uh, thwarted belongingness. Mm-hmm. So we talked about thwarted belongingness in our Logan episode, which if you didn't have a chance to listen to, I would recommend it because we really break down Thomas Joyner's interpersonal theory of suicide in a really nice way that I just don't think we're going to have the time to do in this series, maybe, but certainly not right now. But we are going to focus on that thwarted belongingness component and really just to re-summarize that for you, thwarted belongingness is sort of, it's related to loneliness, but it's this idea or this feeling that you don't feel connected to any group or any you don't you don't feel like you're connected to anyone really is the the one sentence quick summary that I have and I think that they do an interesting job of displaying no showing I don't know Hannah is definitely uh, depicted as seeing as uh, experiencing thwarted belongingness mm-hmm. in the series uh, not only through sort of the things that we witness but in addition to the things that she says um, so there's uh, multiple times where she says things like, uh, oh, you just highlighted a perfect example. I'm just going to read it word for word. So, uh, so the kind of lonely that she's talking about experiencing is the kind when you feel you have nothing left and no one, like you're drowning and no one will throw you a wine. So um, she says, in addition, when you're that kind of lonely, you reach for anything. And that's sort of what we see her doing. She wants to connect with someone, but she very much has a feeling that she's not connecting with any of the students. Um, she, you know, she's sort of had these, every time she does sort of gets close to someone, they end up hurting her, and mm-hmm. she she doesn't have any close friends. She actually says that something, do you remember the exact line? You said it earlier about her, that was her last friend who doesn't show up for coffee with Oh, her. Jessica. Jessica, well, she yeah. Doesn't, yeah. And uh, then I think there's also even, she's shown as maybe not feeling super connected with her parents at some mm-hmm. points, too. They're very caught up with the store and a lot of the financial burdens that are associated with that. So, yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, what's your take on that, Katie? Do you think it was a, an accurate depiction of what thwarted belongingness might look like through a fictional example? I think that's one of the strongest points of this series is showing how she feels like a burden, which we can talk more about at, mm-hmm. a, at a later point when we get to those episodes, but also how vital the the friendships and her her lack of relationships are in how she feels as a person and on, and that's what motivates her actually to reach out to Zach is that she's she and why those anonymous comments in her um, communications class mean so much to her because it feels like it's some type of connection to someone and so I I feel that was one of the stronger things I think that the actress portrayed it beautifully I mean it was uh, very painful to see you know that sort of segues into something I think that is worth giving the show a lot of credit for is the acting is actually yeah, just yeah, phenomenal. It is. And yeah. by beautifully, I mean well done. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Not that I enjoy no. seeing people lonely. No, not I agree completely. Quite contrary. Yeah. So I think that's probably a good stopping mm-hmm. point for our second sort of uh, analysis or, or sort of talking points, really, about 13 Reasons Why. And at this rate, we're going to have 13 episodes about 13 reasons. So. I, I could There's very much so see much that. Content. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, content to unpack there, and and I'm sure we could talk at length about it, and will. So for today, just sort of to recap and uh, set, give you something to walk away with. So mm-hmm. we're going to return to the idea of ideas related and depictions related to consent and sexual assault because it's important, and we want to talk about it. 
Um, there's the line about Hannah just wanting attention, and that's why she did it. And in some ways, that's what the show is depicting, is that she did want attention and ultimately gets it through her suicide. So mm-hmm. there's maybe some issues with the depiction of that. Yeah, so I feel that's uh, very dangerous because it, it paints the person who died by suicide as uh, manipulative. Absolutely. Rather than legitimately in pain. It's And that's sort of uh, almost a, a point of tension in the show mm-hmm. is is we have a very sympathetic character in Hannah who we feel for, but some of the things she says through the tapes are very revenge-oriented. Now yeah. you're going to feel what I feel mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So I'm going to play mind games with I'm you like you did with me. Yeah, so it does sort of paint this picture of attention and revenge, and, mm-hmm. and that's not great. It's mm-hmm. not what I want to see. Uh, Zach freaks out when he sort of sees uh, gets this letter from Hannah about how badly she feels. Um, understandably, people sometimes panic in situations like that. We went through a quick list of things that you can do or you could help someone else who might be in a situation like that. Uh, sort of manage that. We'll post a link uh, so you can kind of have those. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about uh, loneliness and the, the health, mental and physical impacts related to it and thwarted belongingness and uh, the depiction that Hannah... How Hannah is depicted as experiencing a thwarted blindness, which is very well done and very accurate and very, like you said, beautifully acted and, and how well it's portrayed. So, And one point that I, that I should make about that, too, is that, you know, so tend to your own needs. Oh, yes. And it can be, especially in someone like Hannah's position where you've been hurt by people, it can feel like shutting down or disconnecting from people in the short term is helpful. But really, it's worth trying to find groups of people that you have something in common with, whether it's local meetup groups, whether it's going to your local comic book store and mm-hmm. befriending the employees there. Absolutely. Um, or, you know, however it is, just kind of being around people. I mean, they, as simple, I've worked with people in the past, and as simple as going to a bookstore, even if they're not talking to people, but being around people can help. Um, take down the notch of some of that painful loneliness. So, so reach out, please. And uh, and we'll include some resources in the description like mm-hmm. we have in the, the previous episode just to make sure those resources are out there and uh, you can sort of dive in and, mm-hmm. and distribute them or do what you will. Um, like always, uh, thank you so much for listening in. If you're interested in any of our other podcast episodes or our blog, uh, you can check all of that out at www.jedi-council.com. Uh, we were on Facebook and Twitter, and the podcasts are on iTunes and Stitcher and lots of other podcast places, actually. So probably almost anywhere you want to look for it, you can find our podcast. What well, you're listening to it, actually. You found you, it. <laughs> Congrats. Well done. You win the Jedi Council Podcast Finding Award 2017. <laughs> Patent pending. Uh, and like I always also say, uh, we're a part of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. There's a lot of, well... There are four other awesome shows, which is a lot, mm-hmm. and they're all really great uh, shows like Geek Therapy, uh, Rolling for Change, Headshots, and Psych Tech. These are all great shows. Jose Cordona, who founded the Geek Therapy Podcast Network, is on each of them, which is really cool. Except for ours. Yep. Sorry, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> but he did guest he did on our guest show. On ours, so that counts. Uh, no, he's he's absolutely wonderful yeah, too, he's and awesome. he's coordinated the whole network and really helped us mm-hmm. sort of uh, take off the training our podcast training. Wheels, he so gets the Jedi Council shout out for today. Yep, or the Jedi Council c- call out <laughs> if if I'm to say it because That's for true. some reason I say it every wrong every time and people actually start tweeting at me about <laughs> it. So they're calling me out for my calling out. It's which is only fair. fair. Oh, it's it really justice. is. So uh, and. 
I do feel obligated to sort of say, uh, you know, this is a heavier topic, and mm-hmm. we hope that you found it helpful and interesting and educational and useful. And we promise that if you bear with us as we move through uh, 13 Reasons Why, we'll get back to those good goofs and chuckles someday. But but we just want to stick with this for now. Did, did and if you're still listening, I would like to tell please. everyone the results with only five minutes left in the poll of the who would make the best superhero sibling, which is a poll we did for National Siblings Day on Twitter. And the winner is Wonder Woman, 38%. Second is Batgirl, 35%. Batman, 14%. Superman, 13%. So Wonder Woman and Batgirl, pretty close in that. Pretty close, yeah. Mm -hmm. And both great choices. Yes. I don't know if I would like Batman as a sibling, (laughs) to be honest. I'm a huge Batman fan. Unless he throws you the keys to the Batmobile. Oh, then I'd sign up for that. (laughs) All right, folks. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening in. We hope you enjoyed and appreciated this episode. And we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.